1: Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez,
2: Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Good evening or good morning or whenever you're listening to us, welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. Uh Jacob can't be here tonight, but I've got TJ Peterson with me and from the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts and Roy Bellamy. It's Roy Bellamy.
1: Yes, I am now the, uh, co-host of the, uh, the big show. So it as as a nice promotion for me.
2: Well, we want to congratulate you on that promotion and this uh, podcast, we like to promote our guests without any permission from the actual people who pay them. And, you know, just like we have the Florida hockey now Atlantic division and the Fort Florida hockey now forum, it's now the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts and Roy Bellamy. So I think that's now done.
1: All right. That's good.
2: The last time we recorded, uh, Panthers were 2-0. We've now had a 4-1 win against the Lightning in a pretty dominating fashion in terms of a controlling pace of play. The track to 82-0 is on schedule, so they're definitely not losing the rest of the season. And uh, let's just jump right into it. Roy, how are you feeling about the, that game last night and the team overall?
1: Well, there are two glaring weaknesses that the Panthers have in this situation. And it's pretty evident that the referees have it out for them because the discipline has been very, very lackluster and coinciding with them having an, except for last night, having average penalty kill is not exactly helping in that situation. And they uh, kind of paid for it against Pittsburgh, but they were excellent, excellent on the penalty kill uh, last night. And a lot of that is due to Anton Ludell and, um, and uh, Forsling, so uh good job by them uh and racco Goodis for that matter even though he was spending a little time in the box himself so i gotta commend them on their penalty kill and it looks like based off of the three three games that they've had so far this season the scoring is going to be very balanced uh i expect to see over half maybe even nine of the forwards with double digit goals this season like, I expect probably all all three of the scoring lines are definitely going to have double-digit goals this season. And then maybe somebody on the check-in line uh, as well. So it's going to look – it's going to be a good season for them scoring, but they got to be disciplined this season. Otherwise, uh, they're going to be giving up a lot of power play goals this, this season.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of play a freewheeling style. You know, they like to really get in transition, get the puck as soon as they can. So some, sometimes maybe that leads to being overeager with the takeaways and, and things like that, and that can cause a penalty. But I I was fascinated to see the performance on the penalty kill against Tampa. And you know, something I was just thinking about, they probably watched a lot of film with that Tampa power play over the offseason, because that was the one thing they couldn't stop in the playoffs. And you know that you're going to be going up against Tampa in the regular season. That's a guarantee. And, you know, if you want to get through the playoffs, if you want to get through the Atlantic division, you probably got to play Tampa. So they got to make sure that they have that penalty kill down against Tampa's power play. And, you know, stage one looks like it's done.
2: Yeah. And it was definitely an impressive performance on the PK. I think this was now what the third extended five on three, the Panthers have had to kill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane that you, I mean, I, I was saying in the spaces the other night, like a lot of teams don't have three extended PK kills the entire season. We're three games into the season and the Panthers have had three, three minute plus long five on three situations and they haven't given up a goal yet. Uh, you got to give credit to Sasha Barkov and Huberto last night being on the top of the po- that triangle. Um, Lundell has been great on the PK when he's not in the box, even though I think we can all agree that it was a horrible holding call. Roy, you've already kind of mentioned the officiating that Lundell penalty was brutal, mm-hmm. a lot on the dive there, but there's, all you know, the discipline needs to get better, better. I mean, Thornton with the cup check, like he got away with one last night. Like you got to be smarter than that. It's a, uh, you can't cup check someone. I mean, it should have been five in a game. I said it in the spaces last night. That was a Hall of Famer against a, uh, a guy playing his second NHL game, so he got the benefit of the doubt there. But like Roy, you were saying, like cross checking is a point of emphasis this year. And where was the call on Kachuk? Zero, zero, zero. Other games are calling it tightly. As I'm stealing your content, Roy. Other games are calling it tightly. Mm-hmm. But if it happens against a Panthers player, does it? Did it really happen?
1: Yeah. If a I mean, if a tree falls on the ice surface, does it score a goal? That sort of thing. If you didn't see yeah. it, no. Yeah. No. Does it commit a penalty?
2: Is it holding? Exactly. Did the tree
1: hold? Or did the uh, did the tree it was a high sticking? Like was
2: it a trip in an empty net situation well, if that it's was a tree,
3: game six in the playoffs? The playoff stick series. is probably pretty high.
1: Yeah, that is, that is true. This is true. But what are you gonna do? I mean, we've seen that last we've seen that last season going into no. and during the playoffs versus Tampa. So I mean, what are you going to do now? You, you're going to have to play the hand you dealt and uh, hope to God that nobody scores in a power play.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Panthers have been un- shorthanded an obscene amount of times. Like, Part of that is there's been some poor officiating to start the season, but part of it is just completely undisciplined play. Like, you know, like I said, the Thornton play, that was silly. You should not ever take that penalty and he should know better, but they got to get better on that. But I mean, we're kind of grasping at straws to complain about when the Panthers yeah. are... Three and zero, and controlling play at five on five in every game. I think they're up to now a thirteen to three advantage at five on five goals. Like that's insane. That's really good to start the season. I think only Buffalo is better, and holy shit, Buffalo is better. They're like leading the league in every advanced stat right now. One of Roy's five favorite teams. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I never worry about the Panthers in even strength. It's always the Panthers on uh, special teams, and because. When special teams encompasses a quarter of the game or more, that's when I start to get worried. Uh, yeah. When they're not scoring on the power play and when they're being very undisciplined and having to be shorthanded, then uh, that's when I start to get worried. That's when bad things start to happen. But even strength, I mean, there are very few teams that are better than the Panthers, even strength. So I'm. I just I just look for five on five and four and four. That, that's that's basically it.
2: One one more thought on the power play before we kind of move off on it because I do want to talk about the five on five lines after as, as they've been uh, reshuffled. The the power play did look a little bit better yesterday. It, it technically didn't score, but that Montour goal is all intents and purposes a power play goal. Like there was still four defenders in the defensive zone for that's been Tampa. rescored
3: as a power play goal, by the way, they did? according oh, wow. to Doug Plagans, it's it's now a power play goal, which is big for the narrative. It's really big for the narrative. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I want to say that the power play on, uh, on Tuesday was great. I mean, the first power play was terrible and the power play where Montour scored was even worse. I mean, the, the those two power plays, weren't very good. I mean, they didn't really have possession uh, for most of the, those two power plays. So, I would think they would be better, especially against a team like Tampa. But, uh, but yeah, at least they got that. that I, I said in a tweet that for a minute and 59 seconds, the power play was terrible, and then Montoya scored. And then they caught an yeah. even strength going, like, oh, well, that was bad power play. And now, I'm back to what I'm saying again. A minute and 59, terrible power play. Except for that last second when Montour scored.
2: Yeah, like I I thought it was better when they when they put when they when they move Reinhardt off the top power play and put Hornquist back in front of the net. I thought it looked a little bit better. Look, is it great yet? No. Is it acceptable level? No. But they've been so good at five on five. And and let's talk about it. I mean, yesterday we got a full game with basically almost the same lines as the end of the islanders game. Last year's best line, one of the best lines in the NHL was back together. Duclair, Barkov, and Verhage. They controlled play most of the night. The second line stayed the same. And the third line I wanted to see, we saw, which was, well, it started Vetrano, Lundell, and Reinhardt. And we saw immediate chemistry with Reinhardt and Lundell. And then I think by the end of the game, it was Marchment in there instead of Vetrano. But wow, the instant chemistry between Reinhardt and Lundell. And if, if that's something that can continue throughout the year, and you can put that DeClaire, Barkov, over Hagee line together, holy shit, they're scoring depth on this team. Well, the
1: unfortunate part is we're not paying Reinhardt to be a third-line forward. Well,
2: well, here's here's my counter to that, Roy. And I knew I knew you were going to say this, and I'm going to bring up an example you're not going to well, like. Well,
1: wait, wait, wait. I mean, I did say at the beginning of this that the Panthers are going to have very balanced scoring mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. And if it's going to be three lines with balanced scoring, then, yeah, good. Have Ryan Hart despite the fact that you're paying him a lot of money being on that third line. That's fine.
3: It's so. balanced out because Lundell's basically making league minimum on his ELC. Right. Right.
2: But it but it reminds me of the Penguins when they were winning cups with Kessel on the third line. It's your your offensive talent is so loaded. You can put a you can put your most expensive forward on the third line. And as long as you're kind of giving even shifts to the top three lines, it doesn't matter. And you look at the, I mean, Barkov's obviously going to get the most ice time of any forward because he's playing PK, power play, and even strength. But like Reinhardt, I think, had the second or third most ice time of any winger on the third line the whole night. So the fact that he's on the third line at five on five isn't a big deal, especially when, you know, Q's just kind of rolling three lines and putting that fourth line in, not every shift, but, you know, 10, 12 minutes a game. I, I don't see a problem with it. If this, if this chemistry continues, I can't wait to see the, the scoring process this team's going to have. Yeah,
1: I, I'll give it a cue. Like, he is very good at balancing ice time and in-game line shuffling. Like, he's one of the best in the league at doing that. So I'll give that the cue. And, yeah, we okay. saw that uh, during the uh, the Penguins game, how well Leclerc was playing that game. And that's why he got rewarded, re- rewarded with uh, ice time on the first line in the third period. That makes sense. Now we just have to see Reinhardt gel because it's only been three games in training camp. He has to gel with the entire roster for that matter because, as you said, he was knocked off the first power play line. So he really needs to get some more chemistry, especially on special teams there. He really needs to get his chemistry in order. And I think he will uh, because, as you said, his chemistry with Lundell has been pretty good. So let's hope that this works out.
2: Yeah, I mean, they each had two points last night. And let's be honest, they should have had three, not to keep harping on officiating, but that strip by Reinhardt where he passed it to Lindell, which had an absolute tap in goal Mm -hmm. because uh, Vasilevsky was way out of position. Like that penalty on Reinhardt was garbage. Mm -hmm. That was a perfect stick check. So those two really should have combined for three points last night. Lindell should have had his first two-goal game. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. I'm really excited by that new third line. Like, I don't care if it's Marchment, Petrano, whoever it is on that left wing, like Lindell and Reinhardt together so far was magical.
3: And, and I, I got to say on the last episode, I was saying, well, in this usage, how are you going to be able to get Lundell involved offensively? And it turns out you can, you can don't do you that. Stupid. You can still do that. Like he had one offensive zone start and eight defensive zone starts and still had, amazing stats two points what can you say like face-offs he's wearing face-offs yeah
2: yeah i mean we, we also tj and i subscribed to the face-offs were overrated but when you win face-offs that clip like that's a great bonus yeah. like it's not it's not something i was like oh yeah look how good he is in the face-off circle but the fact that he was winning like, he had a really rough night against pittsburgh and then games two and three i think he was like seven and or eleven and seven in the draw uh, in the zone for post. I got a fifty-six percent clip, which is one of the best in the NHL over a full season. So there's just I, I could gush. I could do this entire podcast gushing about Lundell's game last night. Like it was almost flawless. I'm That's not.
1: Funny. I'm not in the camp of face offs are overrated. I am when face offs are in the neutral zone. When you're in your defensive zone, especially in late game clutch situations, you need to win that face off. You don't want to have the uh, the opposing Get set up with a set faceoff play and you would love to have your offensive face offs be one so you can get into your set offense and try to sustain pressure and get a four check going that's just me but you know do what you want to do
2: you're you're not wrong and I, I think TJ would and Jacob would agree with you even though Jacob isn't here I'm gonna speak for him I think that our issue comes is like those face off the faceoff specialists like uh Glenn Denning on uh, Detroit where it's like okay, in the defensive zone, you take the draw and then immediately get off the ice. Those guys are completely overrated because what happens when you lose the face-off, the other 44% of the time, is you have a guy who sucks at hockey, stuck in your defensive zone, giving up way more chances than an adequate player who was going to lose at a face-off at a 4% higher clip than Glenn Denny. And that's where faceoffs become overrated is when you put a guy on the ice where his only job is to win the face-off. And he does everything else at an AHL level. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Yeah,
1: you just have a cinnamon out there, just stuck out there playing zone in the middle of the ice near the crease. I mean, that's all it is.
2: Right, all for a four percent increase in faceoff percentage. It's it's not worth it. Mm -hmm.
1: That's true. But uh, about Vasilevsky, that you you brought him up in a couple minutes ago, uh, there were two instances where he I wouldn't say intentionally, but he did knock the net off. And he didn't receive Um, not one warning on
2: that. As a goalie, the first one, he didn't do it intentionally where he's going left to right. Yeah, lateral. He is just so powerful. Right. But he is so powerful off his his feet that he's going to knock a net off every once in a while. That first one was not intentional in my opinion. The second one was absolutely intentional. But also when uh, Spencer Knight did it later in the game, that was a bit intentional too. Just again, in my, you know, semi competent goalie opinion, veteran
3: move by the twenty year old. That's what we call it. A
2: lot of poise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we? You want to spend a few minutes on Spencer Knight and how well he played?
3: Poise in the veins. Mm-hmm. Like this guy loves playing Tampa.
2: Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. Like he was just so like even with that. When he got sniped by Point to tie it up early in the third, like I mean, they had not, a, of, not a, a
1: wide open shot from Point from from that's a dangerous yeah. distance right there for one timer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, you're gonna get beat.
2: I mean, that's a pretty good set play. I mean, look, even without off Kucherov, Tampa's yeah, it's a set play off a face off. Even without Kucherov, that team is extremely dangerous. They got you on one. It was a great play, great shot, and Knight couldn't make a save on a perfectly placed shot. But zero fluster out of him after that because. Tampa got a few shots after that. And I know Panthers responded quickly with the go-ahead and eventual game-winning goal. But, like, there was zero shakiness out of night. The next few shots, like, he wasn't fighting the puck. He Nothing changed from him. And it's, it's so good to see, like, you know, he was good in the preseason. He was all right in rookie camp. But right now, like, the Panthers have, you know, not to jinx Bobrovsky, but they have two really strong goalies. And if they can get anywhere close to this level of pay, play from both of them throughout the year – you're looking at a team that's not only going to make the playoffs but could win the president's cup. And he
1: had a quote after the games and he's not here to make chess saves. I was like yep, <laughs> that's uh, that's my man right there. And, and him yep. playing 30% of the games this season. I'm fine with that. Good.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Spencer Knight he's uh, he's pretty
3: damn good yeah, at this We're, we're just hoping that 30% isn't too few. Like, and we're looking at the other 70% and saying, oh, the goaltending isn't good enough in those games. And past couple of years, that might have been the case. This year, so far, so good.
2: Look, I'm not going to say a bad thing about Bobrovsky right now. He was, we've, when we, you and I talked about it ad nauseum, TJ, but he's been really good. Roy, you want to give us your thoughts on Bob before we kind of move on from goalies? Yeah.
1: Since he had his baby, apparently he's gained uh, some uh, perspective and now it has uh, pretty much changed this game. He's been facing, he's been face first in the pucks right now. He's seeing them get on goal. He's having a pretty good lateral movement, although I still say that sometimes he kind of overplays the puck, but he's been uh, out in front. He's been doing well so far, and uh, I think he'll do well on Thursday. So good, uh, good job by him this season so far.
3: Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting with uh, him going up against the Avalanche, and they just got uh, McKinnon back. So that that is really a heavyweight bout right there. Um, speaking of heavyweight bouts, we didn't see any of them in this game, no fighting despite that preseason melee. What did you guys think of the fact that this was a, you know, not as nearly as chippy as that preseason game in Orlando? I think Lomberg being out of the lineup had a, a bit to do with it. Achari being out of the lineup had a
2: bit to do with it. Mm. Um, that, and honestly, the Panthers were kind of controlling play where Tampa really couldn't afford to take those chances and, and, you know, increase the chippiness because they were worried about ending up on the peak. And not that the Panthers have been lights out on the power play this year, as we've already discussed, but like there was really never an opportunity for Tampa to increase the the chippiness of the game because they were behind the play a lot of the night.
1: And a lot of that has to do with Kucherov being out and now he's going to be on long-term uh, IR. So, and uh, we expect to see him uh, first game of the playoffs, but uh Yeah. He's going to be out long-term and that really definitely, that definitely affected things uh, for Tampa on Tuesday.
2: Yeah. And anyone celebrating the fact that Kucharov is out, just wait until they trade a a first round pick and a prospect, not in the lineup for Tomas hurdle from San Jose and, just have an absolutely loaded team again. So yep. no, no celebrating at all. The Kucherov's out of the lineup. They yeah, really but
1: know how to still convince a solid cap
3: those guys. I, I mean, I I haven't looked at cap-friendly recently, but I don't know. It, like, you could tell me they don't have a first-round pick until 2031, and I would probably believe you. <laughs> yeah, they, they've – I mean, when you're in go-for-it mode, like, that's what you have to do. You have to get
2: rid of picks. I mean, the Panthers yeah. are – doing that now where they don't have like a second or third round pick next year well,
3: they don't mm-hmm. have a first a second or a third actually Let yeah me... no picks in the first three rounds in the next draft
2: yeah so uh, we definitely actually no they do have a third round pick they have... oh yeah, yeah yeah they traded yeah. their first and their second and then a 2024 second so uh, yeah there definitely be no panther pre-draft watch party mm. for the first round next year no but yeah like you got to trade away you got to trade away picks and prospects and tampa's doing that panthers are now doing that Just just don't celebrate any injuries to the Lightning because, like Roy said, no one maneuvers around the salary cap better than the
3: Lightning. Mm -hmm. Off the ice, like to you guys, does this win feel more significant because it's Tampa? Not necessarily because they're the cup champs, but because they're our rivals? It's too early in the season.
1: Yeah, it's one of four. And then now now they have to play one of the best teams in the Western Conference. So they really shouldn't uh, look at that that way because that would make the game versus Colorado a letdown game and you don't want that either so they got tough and they get a bit of a tough stretch coming up next week as well so
2: it's too early in the season to say anything is like like you gotta look you look for trends in your own team and you really don't worry about your opponent like now like the, the trends you want to look at with the Panthers the goaltending both Rob and Knight has been excellent the five-on-five play has been excellent the five-on-five scoring has been excellent the power play is struggling. The penalty kill struggled early, but looks to be getting better every game. That's what you look at when you're evaluating the Panthers. Like you, 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 also have to keep in mind, like they got lucky. They got to play the Penguins without Crosby and Malkin. And they got to play the lightning without Kucherov. So to say like, Oh, this game means a lot and is a big deal. I don't buy it. I mean, I, you could kind of say Colorado game is going to be your first measuring stick. Cause they're going to have McKinnon in the lineup, but There's 82 games in the season. It's game three. If this was the NFL and you want, and you want to be making opinions after three games. Yeah. That's a bit different because you're, you know, one game is like 10, but three games into the year, just look at your own team.
1: The other thing I look at is team defense and puck possession. And so far the team defense has done very well. And so I haven't seen too many glaring turnovers, uh, in their own zone or in or near their own blue line in the neutral zone, so so far that has improved as well.
2: yeah, mm. like the, all of a sudden, Keith Yandel's not on the ice, and the catastrophic errors get cut down. I mean, there's still some I mean Maroon had a breakaway, Staco had a breakaway. there's still some breakdowns, but it's been a lot better. I mean Gudas, as bad as he was the first game, he's gotten better and better at games two and game three. I thought he was excellent last night, mm. so we gave him some shit on our pot on Sunday night. Gotta give him a little bit of props today for you know showing some improvement. Connaughton, uh, I thought, was fine. Like he didn't mm-hmm. really stand out either way.
1: Although I wasn't really expecting Fat Pack was, uh, to score in that breakaway. No, yeah. and, Shout and out shift. To
3: Joe Thornton catching up. Forty-two years old, those legs still a little, still a little nimble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might have been the slowest one-on-one chase in NHL history. <laughs> Imagine yeah. how quickly like Braden Point could have caught up to those guys. <laughs> right. I uh, I know.
1: I know uh, during the Islanders game, we had the two oldest active players in the National Hockey League over here facing off. That was that was pretty funny. Yeah, Char
2: Thornton. That was uh that was an interesting yeah. one. And um, as
3: uh, Arthur Staple pointed out, Char was on the ice for three of the four goals. That uh, w- there wasn't an empty netter, though. Actually, so when no, it was four was, to no. one, he was on. He was on for three of the first four goals. And, mm. You know, the fifth goal is kind of just the exclamation yeah. point. Really, it didn't really have a factor in who won the game so the Panthers went after Chara and they were successful in doing so
2: yep. yeah Chara's washed like uh, he's a legend he's, he's 44 Fame, but like,
3: he's washed how can you not be washed then like it's, mean, it's impossible go, it's out with your original,
1: go out with the team that drafted <laughs> you that's a that's a good way to go
3: yeah it's a good luck
2: well um I think that's uh I think we've talked about pretty much everything we need to talk about uh, Roy, do you want to get your final thoughts in before we wrap this podcast
3: up? I have a question though. After oh. he says this,
1: uh, I would say after watching first three games, a lot of improvement, a lot of improvement. But the glaring, glaring weakness is this, and that's going to lead to some no. penalty kills that then they're going to be out there for a while. And your penalty, your penalty kill lines are going to be tired. And that's going to go against them. So they need to cut down on, you know, the stick, the stick infractions. They need to cut down on all that and stay in position. Don't don't get out of position because that's going to lead to a penalty and do better
3: with your discipline. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that, but um, these things tend to balance out a little bit over the course of a a full season. I may be wrong about that, but it, it just feels like that's true. So I'll go with it for now. Uh, so I'll get to the question that I wanted to ask you. You had uh AJ Galante on the show, right? The guy from uh, Danbury trashers, or am I thinking of something else? Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, you uh, definitely yeah have we have him, yeah, him on. Yeah.
3: What did yeah. you think of that doc?
1: I haven't seen it yet. i wanted to see oh. it, but you know, listen to the interview, you uh, know what he had to say. That was uh,
2: that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty unbelievable. <laughs> Roy, you got to watch the documentary. It's wild. Oh yeah, like crazy. It's it's, it, it's like cartoon movie villain type shit that they were yeah. doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like Duff. Like they uh, they brought in Pat. Uh, is it Pat Rupp or Mark Rupp? Mark Rupp, I think. Yeah, Mark Rupp. They brought in Mark Rupp right. during the NHL lockout. <laughs> and then what's not in the documentary, but I heard in another Galante interview is he had a trade completed to bring in. Um, Oh, Sean shit, Avery. No. Sean, Sean Avery. Avery. He was going to bring in Sean Avery during
3: that year. <laughs> and they would have had Sean Avery and Mark Rupp on the team. And like, just, it's it's wild. Like, you've yeah, Didn't you say watch the commissioner it. was like, no, you can't have Sean Avery. That would just be too crazy. Yeah, like, it was like, the, the commissioner was like, I like you, but this is too much at this point.
2: Right. Um, but yeah, you got to watch it, Roy. It's It's honestly the most fun hour and a half of TV I've had in a very long time outside of watching Ted Lasso.
1: All right, I will get on that.
2: Just don't let Princess Claire watch it. She's not ready. No, 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 I will not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that uh, that does it for another episode of Panther Pere Roy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, not that you need to plug your stuff because you are a much bigger personality and influence than we are. But t- tell everyone where they can. Let's find not you. say
3: bigger. Let's say better,
2: better, better. Yeah, much better. I wouldn't say either, but uh... <laughs>
1: not true. Roy. Uh, yeah. OK, Um uh... Twitter uh, is at Roy Belly, R O Y B E L L Y. You can find me on the Dan Levitton Show with Stu Gatz. We uh, post the local hour, we post the big suey. We have two hours after that, and we got a post game. And I uh, will be producing Montgomery and Company coming out uh, later this fall, uh, which is about a sports business podcast with Renee Montgomery, who is the co owner of the Atlanta Dream. So, uh, Stay tuned for that one as well. And also, That's- every week, listen to uh, hashtag because Miami as part of a weekly local hour with Billy Corbin, who talks about local Miami politics and local and uh, state Florida, Florida's uh, state politics. So keep an eye on for that one.
3: And that one's about as crazy as Untold Crime and Penalties, it, I would it, imagine. It, <laughs> yes, it really is. is. Personal connection to one of those, uh, the
2: lawsuit that Billy uh, Corbin's been talking about where the um, city of Miami-Dade is getting sued in federal court, the judge assigned to that is my old boss at uh, Podhurst Orsec. So uh, <laughs> if there's, if, I mean, uh, if there's a more fair person than Roy Altman, I don't know they exist. So there's not a perfect, a more perfect judge to be assigned to that case. He's not going to put up with any bullshit. So uh, it should be very, very interesting how that goes
1: i'm looking forward to hearing the results of this trials uh, and this is going to be a this is going to be really fun to watch
2: yeah i, I have a feeling that one's going to settle They're, the city of miami is not going to want to get themselves involved in that much further mm-hmm. discovery phase would just destroy them yep and that's the end of my attorney talk for the day <laughs> mm-hmm. but guys this was a, an awesome podcast thank you so much again for joining us roy you know you always have an open invitation anytime you want to talk some ice cats uh tj any final thoughts nope that's brain it is
3: completely empty so
2: for yeah. uh T- for uh, tj peterson <laughs> i'm alex lopez thank you guys for no- listening to another episode of panther Puri rate us five stars on uh where should they rate us in five stars tj i got nothing today uh how about uber eats oh wait uber no you eats. already
3: said that you already said that rate us five stars on google my business there we go or, oh. no
2: rate my professor that's what we promised We
3: were yeah rate, rate my, my professor
2: on
1: um, postmates yeah
3: uh, yeah, Postmates, Postmates will we'll, we'll transition from Uber Eats to Postmates because they have a better commission. Right. Yeah,
2: I can't promise I would have eaten half your food when I, after I deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.